Welcome to the Limitless Mindset Podcast. My name is Blake Clark, and I am the founder and visionary of Limitless Real Estate and also the team lead of the Clark team. My goal is to show you that your possibilities are truly limitless with the right mindset and outlook on life. On this podcast, you will hear from not only myself, but other members within our brokerage as well as my team. And we're going to be discussing all things real estate, mindset, goal setting, what it takes to succeed in life, and a little bit of business building as well. Thanks so much for joining us and welcome. All right, guys, welcome to episode number 14 of the Limitless Mindset Podcast. Today, I want to do something a little bit different with you guys, and we're going to touch base on the Phoenix housing market. Uh, We've been getting a ton of questions around this and a ton of misconceptions. So I figured it'd be a good time to kind of drop some information on you guys on what is really happening in the housing market, not just in Arizona, but as a whole. And we can talk a little bit about supply and demand and see if we can clear the air on some of this. Uh, Tons of speculation going on out there. And I see it every day and I get tons of questions and emails and messages uh, and calls from people kind of wanting to understand, right? Why are housing prices the way they are? What's going on in our economy? What's the cause of all of this, right? So I figured today would be a great opportunity to sit down and do something a little bit different today. And let's just get down to the nitty gritty and talk some numbers. So hopefully this episode brings some value to you guys. All right, guys, it is February 1st. I wanted to pop on here and uh, let's talk housing market and what the heck is going on out there. Uh, those of you guys have probably been watching for the last couple years in the Phoenix market, things have been going nuts out here. Uh, and I've noticed a lot of people seem to have a lot of misconceptions, a lot of speculation about what's going on out there. So I wanted to come on here and make a quick video and just kind of share some stats, some data, some of the things that we are looking at uh, to give you guys a pretty clear idea of what is going to be happening with the Phoenix housing market over the next year, two years. Uh, why things are happening the way that they are right now, some causes uh, that are kind of pushing the upward momentum that we're seeing in our housing market, just to kind of clear the air and get some answers out there. Because again, I'm starting to see a lot of speculation. You know, everybody's saying, is the market going to crash? Is it going to keep on going? We're going to see another, you know, recession from 2006, like we saw 2007. So I wanted to get on here and just actually share some facts, share some data, clear the air on it. And, you know, make sure everybody is well educated on what is actually happening right now, just so that they can make some informed decisions on what they're going to do moving forward throughout this next year. Right. What can you guys expect? What's what's going to happen with the market? Should you wait? Should you sell now? And there's a lot of cool stats and data. There's a lot of very interesting things taking place in our market right now. So again, just wanted to get on here and share some of that with you guys. I got some pretty cool uh, data here. Again, I operate from a place of statistical you know, numbers. I operate from a place of analytical mindset. I don't really get too emotional on this kind of stuff because at the end of the day, the economy is the economy, right? It's going to go up. It's going to go down. I don't make speculation based off of emotion, which I think is what makes me great at this job. (laughs) So uh, with that being said, let's jump right into some of the stats right now and and let's jump into what is causing uh, our current housing market. Those of you guys that have probably seen it, especially over the last two years, housing prices have gone up crazy, right? Over 30% in general in the Phoenix housing market. Uh, traditionally, you know, we were seeing between eight and 11% rises year over year in the housing market, except for the last two years, it really went up, right? We saw almost a 30% increase in 2020 alone. Uh, so really, you know, what's, what's going on in the market? What is causing some of this? 
And, you know, to be honest with you guys, it's, it's, a, it's a combination of a lot of things. And I think that's where people have this misconception and they think that this market crash is coming. And, you know, I'll be completely honest with you guys, it will be inevitable that we're going to see a market reset. As with every market in an economy, whether that's the housing market, the stock markets, right, you're going to have your peaks and you're going to have your valleys. It's completely essential, right? If we always had our, our peaks going up, eventually things are going to become so unaffordable, right? And if that's where you get the bottom falls out and that's where you see a crash, almost similar to like what we saw in 2006, 2007 in the housing market. Now, I want to clear the air and make sure that you guys have all the data on what is driving this market and what is different from the last housing market crash that we had. Because I think at the core of a lot of the misconception where I see a lot of people uh, you know, making assumptions, right? The market's going to crash because prices are just inflating high and it's inevitable. And this happened before, you know, I've seen it all. The comments are online. You know, sometimes we share houses and I get the, you know, the armchair appraisers <laughs> basically leaving comments on my posts and I'm open for, you know, topics and discussions and debate. I love this. It's how we learn. It's how we share, but you have to be educated in this and you have to understand what is going on and you have to take the emotion out of this and really look at statistically, What's the data showing us, right? What is going on out there? So what's driving this particular housing market is a shortage of supply right now. That's as simple as it is. What you guys are seeing is supply and demand, right? We're also seeing it in the automotive market right now, for example, due to COVID hitting, manufacturing is down right now. So, you know, automotive manufacturing is down. There's not as many cars on the road. You have things like cars basically running through the end of their shelf life, right? They're basically being taken to junkyards. They're demolished. They're getting into accidents. Uh, they are just basically breaking down. I mean, long story short, there's more cars being consumed than what's active, actively being put out there. So what you guys are seeing with automotive prices is they're going through the roof right now, right? You just can't get them. There's more consumers out there than there are cars on the market driving the prices up. We're seeing the same thing going on in the housing market right now. There is a massive, massive, massive shortage in houses. Now, what I want to point out is one of the main differences right now is in the previous housing recession that we had before it happened, what led up to that was we actually had an oversupply of houses. It wasn't a situation where inventory was low, right? So for each individual buyer looking for a house out there, it wasn't necessarily the fact that there wasn't enough houses on the market. They were actually building houses at a very fast rate. You guys saw it, right? Subdivisions going up like crazy, things being built like crazy. But the backside of that that really propelled that was loose lending standards, right? You had basically balloon mortgages going out there. We had predatory lending. Uh, you know, for those of you guys that are in the older demographic uh, than, you know, the younger millennials that obviously weren't buying houses at that time uh, that went through that, you know, it was very easy to get a loan at that time. You know, you could basically go in and say, hey, I got stated income. You're able to refinance, you know, a lot of equity out of your house up to 100% of the equity, right? It just put a lot of people in a bad position because they were borrowing more money than they could actually afford to pay back, right? So as houses were being built, builders were building houses like crazy. People were using these houses like ATMs. They were pulling their money out. They were putting minimum payments down, and it just caused the prices to go through the roof. Uh, we also had situations where, you know, lenders were able to work directly with the appraisers. There might have been some influence on their houses were over appraising quicker than they should have. Uh, there's just a, it was like the perfect storm at that time that basically caused housing prices to rise too fast, too many houses being built. And before you know it, 
Uh, people were no longer to make the mortgage payments because they were going so high so quickly. Uh, they weren't putting enough money down, so they were immediately getting upside down on their mortgage. Um, now, and that's another thing we're going to talk about is being upside down on your mortgage being versus being upside down on what you totally paid for your house and your equity. Those are two very different things. And again, we'll touch base on that in a minute. But long story short, that is what led to the big recession crash, you know, combined with some other economic factors that were taking place at that time. This market is exactly the opposite, right? I can tell you right now from a lending standpoint, and I'm sure for those of you guys that have gone out and tried to apply for a home loan, it's difficult right now. It's not the easiest process. They go through your financials with a fine-tooth comb. You have to have a you know certain credit score. You have to have a certain debt-to-income ratio. And that, you know, if you go to do a refinance, you can no longer pull out up to 100%, 110% of your equity coming out. Uh, you're only able to maximize maybe 80% of your equity tops coming out, right? There is way, way, way more lending standards in place right now for people to make sure that, you know, people are getting loans that they cannot afford to pay back, basically. Uh, we are seeing on the opposite side of that, a lot of people putting large amounts of money down right now too, cash being one of them. Uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, investors coming out, basically paying cash for properties, hedge funds, 1031 exchange properties, right? You know, what I look at, and this is just me from an agent standpoint as we're buying and selling houses as an active investor is, you know, I pay attention. You know, when I go to sell a home to a family or when I'm selling a property, you know, we're getting multiple offers on these properties right now. You know, the people that are getting a lot of these properties aren't putting down the bare minimums in most cases right now. A lot of the people that are putting some fair amount of money down, you know, they're putting cash for properties. They're putting 20% plus down on these properties. Uh, you know, they're going in with large amounts of equity on these properties. So what does that mean, right? Those of you guys might be questioning, well, that doesn't mean the market can't go down. It absolutely can go down. Uh, eventually it will, you know, we're going to see that level out and then we will see a recession. It's inevitable. You're going to see a housing market reset. It's been happening, you know, over the last decade, it, it comes and goes. It's, it's completely essential. My point is, is we're not there yet. And here's why too, on top of this, where we see another massive market crash, right? We got people putting 20% down, you know, 30, 40% paying cash. Let's say that market resets, right? We see it every time it usually goes down 10, 15%, maybe 20%, right? Which is gonna be a heavy market reset, would be a 20% historically, aside from the one that we experienced in 2006 and seven. They're gonna be, they may be upside down on their purchase price, right? But they're not gonna be upside down on their mortgage. Now to basically be in default, right? Most people started defaulting when they were way upside down on their mortgage. What does that mean? Let's say that they paid uh, $300,000 for a house. They have a mortgage of $250,000 on the house, and now their house is only worth $200,000. So from a mortgage standpoint, they're upside down $50,000. From an overall standpoint, a gross standpoint, they're upside down $100,000, right? So what happens is, is let's say that they are upside down, you know, they're 20%. The market resets 15%. They pay 300K. They owe 280 on it, you know, on the mortgage. They essentially will still be able to sell that house and get out from underneath what the mortgage amount is on that property, right? They're not upside down the mortgage. You're not going to see a short sale situation on that right now. Again, the biggest primary driving factor economically right now in the Phoenix housing market is we are having a shortage of houses. To break this down for you guys, we had about two years ago, I was going through some stats on here and kind of looking, we had about 14,000 active homes on the market at that time, which by the way, is still considered low. 
What we look for in a balanced market is we judge things based on, it's called days on inventory. So what that means is it's a speculation for every buyer that's out there, uh, which can be calculated a few different ways, but essentially for every buyer that's actively in the market, applying for mortgages, going out and actively shopping for a home, how many houses are actively on the market where if not another single home was listed from that day forward and all the buyers were able to get homes under contract, how long would it be before we were completely out of homes on the market? So we look at that as what's called day's inventory, right? Uh, the easiest way to maybe analyze this for you guys or, or put it into like a visual would be like a bathtub, right? So you have the water going in from the spigot and then you have the water going out from the drain. Uh, as water is going in faster than what it's draining and the tub starts to fill up, that's your day's inventory increasing. Uh, if water is going in less and it's starting to drain faster, that means your inventory is shrinking basically. There's less water in the tub, right? It's the same thing with the housing market. How many buyers are entering the market and how many houses are coming off of the market? That's what we look at. About 100 days inventory is what's considered a you know balanced market in the Phoenix market. As of today, we have 16.9 days of inventory. That is extremely, extremely, extremely low, right? That means we have way more buyers out in the market right now than we do sellers. So for example, uh, we have a total as of this morning, 4,847 houses actively on the market. We should be sitting around 19 to 21,000. Now with houses being as low as they are at 4,800 houses, and we have so many buyers out there in the market, what does that mean? Who are these houses going to? Well, usually they're going to go to the people that are the most well-qualified, the people that are pay, willing to pay the highest amount for the house, the people that are putting the larger down payments down. Uh, especially in this case, what we look for is realistically, we know that when a house goes into a bidding war and it gets bid up, some people are willing to pay over market value, right? And that's where you're going to run into a potential appraisal issue on a property, right? We know that. So if somebody comes in and they basically go to get a loan on the property, if we have, say, 10 offers on a highly competitive property, most likely that seller is going to be looking for the buyer that is putting maybe all cash down, right? Uh, or putting a very large amount of money down on the property to offset the need for an appraisal or willing to waive the appraisal and putting a large amount down. Either way, that house is going to a consumer that has the additional funds on hand to pay that price for that property, right? It's not usually and typically going to the borrower that is putting the bare minimum down, doesn't have the ability to waive an appraisal. Now, does that happen every once in a while? Sure. But I can tell you guys right now, in this kind of environment, those are who's buying these properties. So what does that look like, right? Are we going to see a big market crash? The honest answer is probably not right now. We have so many buyers out there and the ones that are able to obtain the houses, the ones that are able to get the homes on the market are the ones that are able to put the most amount of money down in most cases, bid the highest, waive the appraisals, right? So again, if a market shift happens and it goes the other way, in most cases, these people have enough cash equity in that property that even if it goes down, they're not upside down on their mortgages like they would have been in 2006 and 2007 because they're more financially secure while entering these properties, right? So to give you guys another uh, little stat of what's going on in the housing market and what our projections are going forward this year. You guys have heard me talking about it. You guys have probably heard other agents talking about it. You guys have probably seen in the news, interest rates are going up, housing prices are going up. But we tend to still have this group of people sitting on the sidelines. I don't know. I think it's going to crash. I think it's going to wait, right? It's a very common conversation. And in some ways, I do understand it. I can see from the sidelines, you know, if you're not in this every day, if you're not looking at the stats, you're not looking at the data, and all you're really seeing is housing prices going up, it's natural to say, hey, is this going to crash? What's going on, right? There's some uncertainty, some speculation in there. 
And this is where, again, we pay attention to the numbers, we pay attention to the data, we pay attention to you know many different factors looking at what's driving this market to give us a clear idea of what's going to be going on you know, moving into this next year. So the average list price as of January 22nd was $340 for the Phoenix housing market. To put that in perspective, last year at this time, the average list price was $292. We've almost gone up $50 a square foot average in a year in the Phoenix market. 2020 was the highest market we saw increase of over 30%, right? And it was interesting because we've already been running low on inventory for about the last four years in the Phoenix market. Again, many things drive this, right? We have a lot of -of out-of-town influence people basically coming in, you know, um, influenced by, I mean, you know, out-of-town people coming from higher-priced markets coming to the Phoenix markets where it is very affordable, right? Uh, We have states like California, Oregon, Washington, Colorado, all markets in general that usually have higher prices than we do in some cases. Uh, So they're coming to the Phoenix market because it's just cheaper to live. Um, The biggest uh, change that we saw in this was, you know, especially when 2020 hit, right? We all got grounded (laughs) is what I call it. We all had to stay at home, right? Uh, A lot of companies had to rethink how their business was ran, right? You had the traditional employee that would go into a job, they drive to an office. They were really tied to a certain location in in some cases, right? So they were kind of forced to live near their work where their job was. 2020 hit. Companies had to get creative. They said, okay, what's going on, right? We, how do we run our businesses in this environment if we can't have our employees come in? Everybody's in quarantine, right? 2020 really changed the face of the, of the workforce, basically, because a lot of companies figured out, wait a minute, I can have my employees work from home, right? I can telecommute. Uh, they don't really need to come into an office position. Our company's still running, right? Customer service, sales roles, you know, all these things basically can take place online or from home for the most part. They didn't uh, require a ton of face-to-face interaction with some of these bigger corporations. So people were able to stay home. Companies said, hey, maybe we don't need this much overhead. We don't need this building. We don't need all this. And it's okay for employees to, to work from home. Well, now that did two things, right? That made people realize, hey, we either need a bigger living space if we're going to be spending more time here, right? Because it was no longer you just go to your house to sleep and hang out on the weekends. Right now, I'm going to be here for a long time, right? So a lot of people realize, man, we got families, we got kids. If we have to work from home, our kids are at home now, we need a bigger house. So 2020, we saw a massive influx of people making a transition, basically, uh, combined with interest rates were at an absolute historical low, right? We were in the sub 2% interest rate, which is lowest it's ever been in history uh, from a mortgage standpoint. So people just jumped on that. Affordability went through the roof uh, because now with interest rates being so low, their monthly payment, they could actually afford a higher priced home and keep a payment at a very affordable price being in the sub 2%. So we saw just this perfect storm again. That's what I'm going to call it a perfect storm, right? People had to be home. They had to be with kids. They realized, hey, my current living quarters may be too small. It may not be effective for me to work from home and have my family here all at the same time. All of us here, we may need something bigger. So we saw a lot of people selling upsize and take advantage of the market. We saw a ton of people come into Arizona as other places became unaffordable and they were no longer required to be localized for their job. They're able to work from home. They're able to move here, buy a house, have a cheaper economy here, and maintain jobs that were maybe based out of other states and keep a higher price. Uh, We saw a lot of that happening. So on top of that, in 2020, we saw builders stop building, right, or nearly slow down. They weren't able to keep up with the production because, number one, materials weren't readily available. Uh, You guys saw what was happening and is still currently happening with the supply chain right now. Uh, You know, you guys don't really, you know, this is the big picture, right? It's taking the bird's eye view to things. 
when you're looking at building a house, there's a lot of things that go into building a home. It's not just, hey, I got the lumber here and then in the tile and I'm going to build this thing, right? There's appliances, there's wiring, there's all different kinds of things that are actually manufactured overseas, different areas, factories. Well, those factories stopped producing, shipping got backed up, houses couldn't be built in time. So now you have this massive influx of people looking to move to our market. And again, not enough houses to keep up with it, right? We had more people moving into Arizona than homes were being built or people leaving the market, which caused our inventory to just massively shrink. Down to today, we're sitting at 4,800-ish houses on the market. We, we've been teetering the last couple of months between 45 and 48, 4,900 houses. Regardless, it's extremely low for the amount of buyers that we actually have actively out there looking for homes right now. So, you know, do we see this changing this year? Not really, to be honest with you. We're still extremely low on inventory. What was surprising to me, to be honest with you guys, is January is typically our highest month of listings. So we expected and we predicted that we were going to see more homes hit the market in January. Interest rates were rising. People had tons of equity in their homes over the last two years. And we said, man, come January this year in 2020, we're probably going to see a big buildup of inventory hitting the market. We were actually 6% less inventory, new listings basically hitting the market this January than we saw last year. And our buyer demand is still there, right? So we're actually seeing less and less and less. Uh, like I was just mentioning, looking at some of these stats, we got 4,800 active houses on the market. Um, two years ago, we had 14,000. So again, guys, I mean, we're down 9,500, almost 10,000 houses less than we had two years ago. Now, what's going to change, right? What are some things that you guys can look for or we um, should be looking for in general to say, hey, are we starting to see a market shift? Are we starting to see this market turn around? Are we starting to see things slow down? Well, there's a few things you guys want to look at, right? Number one is you're going to keep an eye on inventory building, right? When you start seeing more houses sit on the market, more houses, more houses sit on the market, right? And I'm not talking that one house in your neighborhood that's been sitting for three months. Oh my gosh, the market's slowing. You know, every once in a while, you're going to get that house that's unrealistically overpriced. It happens in this market. But what we're looking for is days inventory increasing, right? Again, right now we're at 16.9. We start seeing that hit, you know, 30 35, 40, 50 days inventory on the market. We know we're now heading into a slower season, right? Slower cycle in the real estate market when inventory starts building up, right? We might start seeing more price reductions, right? Again, going into last year, we saw $292 a square foot. This year, starting the year off, we're already at $340 a square foot. So we're going to keep an eye on that, right? If you start seeing price per square foot go down, you start seeing days on market last longer, uh, you start seeing inventory creep up. Now, by the way, this isn't going to happen overnight. And I think that's the biggest misconception, right? For those of you guys sitting on the sidelines, you're like, hey, I'm just waiting. It's going to crash. It's going to crash. This is going to look nothing like when the market does reset, what it did in 07, where it kind of really tumbled over a two-month period. We're not going to see that right now. Now, could something you know, happen in the economy that would completely turn things upside down? It's likely. I'm not going to tell you guys it's not. But the probability of that happening, if I was to wage money on it, right? Or if I was to put, hey, what's my <laughs> what's my buying power? What's my purchase power going to be? I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on that. What we're looking at is, okay, realistically, what's the market going to look like for the next year? Possibly two years. Well, until inventory can catch up and there's an oversupply, right? And there's more choices for buyers to choose from. Houses are sitting on the market a little longer, not as many bidding wars. Then you're going to see the market start to level out. The problem is we're still so low right now that we should be, you know, at that 15 to 19 to 20,000 
day, you know, inventory homes on market range that we're not going to accomplish that this year. You guys are not going to see all of a sudden inventory jump up to 15, 20,000 uh, where, you know, the buyers have more of an influence on the market right now. It is strictly a seller's market in most cases. You know, you're, you're in a good position if you're a buyer and you have access to maybe some off-market properties. Uh, you have access to maybe an agent or a team or a brokerage that has a lot of listings that are not listed on the market yet because maybe you can get a first shot at those. That's where that's going to really benefit uh, you guys in this current environment that we have right now. So my prediction, to be honest with you guys, what we do know is going to be happening this year is interest rates are rising. They've been extremely, extremely low. And I want to put that into perspective for you guys, too, because some people are kind of freaking out. Interest rates are sky high. The, the average over the last 20 years, almost 30 years, is a little around 6%. So we're still sitting in the 4% range which is still a historically low rate for interest rates. It's still a great rate. It's still extremely affordable money right now compared to most other you know, loans and inflation out there right now. So take advantage of it. But what we do know is interest rates are going to be rising. And I can almost guarantee you guys housing rises through the rest of the year. Or housing prices are going to be rising for the rest of the year. With inventory being as low as it is, with interest rates being as low as it is, uh, with supply basically not catching up the way it should be, with new builders being backed up right now with some material issues and not being able to build quick enough to catch up with our demand requirements, you can almost guarantee housing prices are going to continue to rise. Those are the things you guys should be looking at. Those are the indicators, right? Inventory on the market, build times from new builders, interest rates going high, days on market, you know, basically extending out. When you start to see those economic indicators taking place in the housing market, you can bet things are starting to slow down a little bit. But I can tell you from where we are to where we need to be, it's not going to happen in the next few months. We have at least a year or so ahead of us of additional growth. I predict based on our current trends and where we're heading right now, we're probably going to see another 11 to 13, 14% increase in home values from right now, today's February 1st to the end of the year, basically. And that's even with interest rates increasing just because we have such a shortage of homes and we have a lot of buyers out there that are willing to pay the price. That's the biggest thing right now in, in the Phoenix market is I've noticed a lot of locals are, you know, getting their chest, chest puffed up, right? Puffed up. They're, they're frustrated, right? Housing prices are high. This is ridiculous. I can't wait for them to come back down. I can tell you guys it's not going to happen. It just isn't. Even if the market goes up an additional 15% this year, 510 it gets 20%, maybe we see that finally, you know, the inventory catches up. We finally see that reset in our economy uh, from a housing market standpoint. It drops down 20%. People have that equity in their homes right now. You're not going to see a massive influx of foreclosures like we did. It's just not going to happen, guys. I'm putting it out there for you right now. Um, again, you know, could something happen externally in the economy that would have a ripple effect on the housing market? Sure. But the odds are right now, just simply looking at supply and demand, the supply is just way too short right now for you guys. So I would expect another year of prices increasing. The market's going to continue to go up right now. If you're going to make a move, your chance of doing it in the front half of the year while interest rates are still low are good because otherwise interest rates are going to go up and housing rates are going to go up prices. And that's going to basically mean, you know, your monthly payment is going to be much higher. Your overall, what you pay on that home over the term of a 30 year is going to be much higher. So, you know, again, guys, if you guys are thinking about making a move, I would suggest probably doing it sooner than later this year based off the stats and data. So hopefully this was helpful for you guys. I love making these kind of videos. I'm a very data driven person. I like to look at the stats. I look at the numbers. I look at what's going on out there. 
Um, I'm actively invested. I own investment properties myself, so I pay attention to a lot of this stuff uh, the same way that a lot of you guys do. So if this is helpful for you guys, I'd love to hear it. Drop it down in the comments. If you guys have anything else you'd like me to kind of look into and make a video on, I'd love to hear some feedback on that as well. And as always, guys, get out there, crush it.